0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I could preach months about Pentecost and the work and power of God the Holy Spirit, uh, but um, the spirit of Frank Limehouse looms large in this pulpit. Uh, And so, we're going to look this morning at the wonderful event that is Pentecost. And one of the things that I find so remarkable about Pentecost is the radical difference between the disciples before and after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Even at the ascension, which Joe Gibbs preached on last week, there were the disciples disheartened, confused, asking the wrong questions. But on this day, they went from being afraid and in hiding to becoming world changers. How? How was that possible? Well, the obvious answer is the Holy Spirit filling the hearts of all of the believers who had gathered together there in Jerusalem. Now, for a lot of people you start talking about the Holy Spirit, it's very much other and it seems sort of strange. God the Father I'm okay with. God the Son I'm okay with. God the Holy Ghost seems out there different. And yet, fellowship and life in God the Holy Ghost is what the Christian life is all about. God actually making us His temple and residing in us. And Jesus, when He ascended, tells His disciples, but you will receive power. Power for what? He says, you will be my witnesses. Witnesses to the person and work of Jesus Christ and his transforming power in their lives and in our lives too. If you live life for two seconds, I think that you know that we could all use a little bit of power to face life and its difficulties. Someone sent me a wonderful comic this week of Calvin and Hobbes, and there are Calvin's parents sitting in bed stressing about, like, did you ever think that becoming an adult would be the way that it is? And Calvin's dad ends their conversation with, I don't think I have. I would have been in such a hurry to reach adulthood if I'd known that the whole thing was going to be ad-libbed. You don't have to have Calvin as a son uh, to understand that. That often truth in life, it's confusing. You're bombarded with all kinds of issues and circumstances, and it's very hard to see above the fog of war that is life and to simply get some perspective. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does is it gives perspective and power to face life. It's able to cast away confusion and give you a definitive and real lead and allow you to see things as they are in life. As the disciples began to speak in other foreign tongues so that all the people who had gathered all over the world to uh, the known world to celebrate all Jews from all corners to celebrate the Jewish feast of Pentecost there they began to preach the gospel in their own languages now this harkens back to the story from Genesis 11 you remember the story of the Tower of Babel Remember, they said let us make a name for ourselves and we are going to build something so great that we will be of great renown and that we will just notching all the way up to are almost to where God is. And there's this wonderful verse from Genesis 11 where God says, let us stoop down to see what they are up to. There's nothing that we can amass or build in our own lives that is so high that God still doesn't have to stoop down and see. And he confused the languages. And yet here it's a reverse of the Tower of Babel where there's no longer confusion, but different languages speaking the same message of the person and work of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, so that all may hear, so that it all may be made plain. And yet he doesn't come in judgment this time as he did at the Tower of Babel. He comes and enters the hearts of the believers Something from outside so they might speak a word to those who need to hear a word of compassion and of generosity and of salvation. And yet we all dwell in Babylon. We all try to create our false towers and buildings. And I find in my own life that there are a lot of false peaks. You know, you're sort of climbing and you get to what you think ought to be the summit And you only realize that it's still on the other side, just out of reach. There was a very interesting article in The New Yorker last week about Richard Williams, who was Venus and Serena's father, the tennis greats, and how he had them picking up tennis rackets when they were four years old and driving them to basically, when one of them, I guess Serena was uh, 12 years old, she said she would win five Wimbledons. And she did. She absolutely did. Well, now he's starting another family and has a 22-month-old son. And he was giving a lecture to the Hudson Union Society in New York, and this is what he said about his 22-month-old Dylan. He said, Richard had wanted Serena and Venus to become millionaires. His goal for Dylan was three additional zeros. He said he'll never be a billionaire in tennis. What path to riches then? He said gold. Gold. Gold mines are easy to get. He's already done the research of potential mine locations and markets. He also wants Dylan to study, quote, all types of commodities in case he can't find a profitable gold mine. Resource extraction seems easier than building another backhand. He said, just two big sales and my boy is set. And then he can play tennis for the rest of his life. Well, there's a little bit of pressure on young Dylan. Just one or two big sales, just one or two, and and you'll be fine. But as, as extreme as it, that's what we think. If we could just arrive at this one place, it would be okay. And what gets in my heart as a human being is I feel a sense of entitlement and rights. I'm entitled to two big sales. It's my right. It even manifests itself in the way that I drive. Third Avenue On the way to 280, if you're the guy in the right-hand lane, because you're supposed to be in the middle lane, if you think that you're going to get in front of me on on 3rd Avenue, no way, my friend. And it's normally guaranteed you can just feel it. They're going to try to get in front of you. If they're driving a BMW and talking on a cell phone, you know that they're going to try to cut you off. And so even in my own heart, I don't want anybody to get away from me because 3rd Avenue belongs to me. (laughs) I'm in the middle lane. Pedestrians from St. Paul's, get out of the way. (laughs) Well, what Pentecost does in the work of the Holy Spirit is it lays bare who we are. The real problem with the world is not external to us. Our problems aren't outside of us. They are internal to us. We are the great problem with the world and the single greatest impediment in the way that we live our lives. And if it's hard for me to give deference to somebody on 3rd Avenue, how much harder is it with the people that we love? I mean, here you have these disciples, now apostles, on Pentecost, preaching this glorious message of the gospel to the very people that cried out, crucify Him. Now, not all of them, but there were certainly some in that crowd where that was the case. And so what the Holy Spirit does in our lives is it makes us living sacrifices, as Paul says in Romans 12. That we have compassion for those who are even against us, and we seek to preach that message of love to even those who would do harm to us. And yet, within all of us, there's also a sense of ineptitude, that I just can't make it happen as hard as I try. I wish I could have one or two big cells, but I just can't simply make it. But what we find with a life in the Holy Spirit is that God doesn't work with us. God works through us. One of the great jokes in the Bible is right here in Acts chapter 2 because they're speaking in these foreign languages and they say, wait a minute, one, they're Galileans, which was the backwater of the Holy Land. What good can come out of Nazareth? Nothing. And yet here they are speaking all of these foreign languages. And so out of of that and all the commotion going on, they say, they must be drunk. They must be drinking. And Peter very funnily stands up and says, no, no, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. As if it were noon, then we might have an issue. I don't know. But, But what they're amazed by and what they're perplexed by is not the fact that they're just speaking in tongues, but by the message and the boldness with what with, with which they preach, Remember, these are the same people who were huddled in the upper room thinking they might be next. This is Peter, the same guy who a little girl came up to him at, while he was being tried, and she said, "Well, I recognize you. Don't didn't you used to be with Jesus?" I tell you, I never knew him. And then the cock crowed. This same cowering bunch of disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit, have now become bold and sure in their message. Something has happened. Something has happened to them that has radically changed them. And that is the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit of God. That they simply give way to God And he works through them in their lives because they know that they are children of God. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 4, And because you are children of God, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a child. And if a child, then an heir through God. John tells us, But to all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave power To become children of God. If you know that you are a child of God and the Holy Spirit dwells within you, the pressure's off. Who cares who gets on 280 first? You know who you are and so you can go through life and in the world with courage and boldness that is not from you but is from God Himself. And yet, as Christians, we all know that we're a mixed bag. We have this mix of righteousness and sin that dwells within all of us. And we know that the work of the Spirit will not be finished in this life, that we will be always mingled with purity and imperfection. And yet, that's a work of the Spirit. To know our fragility to know our ineptitude to know our inequality that means God is at work in your life and what we see here in Acts is that the Holy Spirit is only given to the anxious and distressed heart before the Holy Spirit can come to the rescue there must be a struggle in the heart and let no one imagine that they will receive the spirit in any other way The world and the law instill fear and timidity. But the Spirit of God gives you boldness and joy and courage. And so, this morning, if you want to be able to face life and to go at it to be able to have that power to walk freely in the world, to walk in His love, so that when the storms of life come, and they will come and they are coming, you must be filled with the Spirit. You must know the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit will come into your life. But even we as Christians, we continue to have to ask God, the Holy Spirit, come and fill our hearts. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Give me a courageous heart that has the power to face life in the midst of its certain uncertainties that we are only able to do because we have been made a child of God by a move of the Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for the Advent and for each and every single one of us is come Holy Spirit and fill our hearts. Amen.